Hey there! Welcome to the Rambling Gals Podcast. We are your hosts, Angela and Adriana, and here you'll find pretty much everything travel-related. We took a trip a few years ago and made a fair amount of mistakes that cost us money and messed up our plans. And since then, we've worked on perfecting travel itineraries and made it a goal to get as many people as we could out into the world exploring. So here you'll find our best travel tips and tricks, interviews with other travelers and business owners, a little bit of storytelling, and a lot of tomfoolery. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to the Rambling Gals podcast. Today, I'm here with Nate of Nate Meets World, and he does just a ton of hiking all over the world, and he's done some amazing hikes in the past year. Um, I'm really excited to have Nate here, so I'm going to let him hop in, and he just recently went to the World Cup in Russia, so I would love to hear more about that and more about um, Nate Meets World. Yeah, I guess jumping into the World Cup, that was like one of my bucket list things. There's something I wanted to do, check it off the bucket list. And uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty incredible. I did get tickets to the one one match before I got there. So I, I made sure I got that squared away because if you do have a match ticket uh, for a World Cup, it pretty much counts as your Russian visa, so which is actually really convenient. So I paid like, a, I think, 100 US for the cheap ticket. And like most visas on their own, I mean, depending on where you're on, where you are it's like probably like 50 or 60 bucks so mm-hmm. more than paid for more than paid for it and yeah it was just an incredible experience obviously big soccer fan big arsenal fan and yeah it was just something i wanted to do check off the bucket list and then while i was there i ended up snagging a ticket for another match while i was there and it was in the southern part of russia and i guess my plan after going to russia for the world cup was to go into georgia anyway for some hiking so it just kind of worked out well and how, how that all turned out. And yeah, I mean, Russia was really hospitable. I got a, li- a lot of interesting stories uh, uh, from there. I don't know how many I could squeeze in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll at see. least one or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, have, I have a Russian police story, but uh, we'll save that for later in the podcast, I guess. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll come you can back tell back. that for your travel story at the end. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You have your website, Nate Meets World. And, you know, just from following you on social media, you've done some pretty continuous travel to uh, Central America, uh, Ireland, Mexico, and some other really great destinations. So you mentioned to me recently that you're taking a break just to save up a little bit of money. But what are your plans after that? And what do you hope hope to accomplish with, you know, Nate Meets World and um, basically just your future plans? Well, I guess the, I guess, uh, it was kind of inevitable that I would kind of take a break from travel, I guess, at some point, just because, I mean, you do get travel burnout. And then when you're going almost like 18 months straight, I mean, I did take little breaks in between, but just like, okay, I figured after a year and a half, it was kind of figured like, oh, it was going to take, had to take a break somewhere anyway. And that's why I kind of decided to uh, go down to Mexico. And I guess, I guess the future plans at some point, I mean, I'd probably like to have a hiking podcast at some point with you. I know there's a couple out there, Mm-hmm. I'm not very. I'm not a very good podcast listener. Maybe once I get to the Mexico, I'll start listening to uh, podcasts again. So I'd like to do that. And then I'd also like to start organizing uh, hiking tours uh, in Mexico and Central America, since I have traveled there uh, pretty extensively. I mean, done quite a bit of hiking there. I mean, I'll, of course, I'm nowhere near an expert. I don't think, but I mean, I guess I know enough, more than the average bear. I guess when it comes to hiking down there. Um, and yeah, I'd like to come back. I'd like to do tours and just kind of take 
people back to my favorite places and kind of try and help, try and I guess try and help out the locals and try and do, do as much business with them as I can. And I don't know, it'd be fun to kind of take people back to my favorite places though. I'm mean, of course not quite sure when that's going to start yet. I do have some ideas in my head, but it's still probably going to be a while until I get that kicked off off the ground. Cause obviously I've been traveling for a while and now I probably need obviously a bit more capital uh, to get that started. And, but it's definitely something I'd like to do at uh, some, some, some point in the future. I know if it's not, if I don't start it next year, I don't think it, I'd definitely be something I'd look to do in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great goal. And something that we've thought about as well is to do group led tours, because I've always said it's fun to go to somewhere for the first time and then kind of become a semi expert in it and then bring other people back and kind of show them why you love to place and show them all the best places and so, exactly. yeah, I think that'd be a great way to do it. Yeah. Sounds fun. Um, so we talked, you know, we just came back from TravelCon and, you know, we talked a little bit about travel conferences before we started recording. Uh, that extensive I, conversation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was really nice to hear from people who are carving out this new arena in the travel industry, whether they're doing, you know, travel blogging or vlogging selling their travel photography or, you know, travel writing and selling it to magazines or whatever they're doing. And they found, you know, a lot of people have found success and have stuck with it. And so I know you have attended a couple travel conferences as well. Um, But I want to hear your kind of your experience at the bigger travel conferences uh, like TBEX. And what are you hoping to get out of those sessions? Is it more for the networking or to, you know, just listen to the keynote speakers or, you know, what is your main goal in going to those bigger travel conferences? Well, yeah, kind of kind of the stuff you mentioned, like networking and speakers is obviously pretty important because you kind of want to go there to learn as well. And, of course, it's always great to meet new friends again or friends you haven't seen since the last travel conference. And I think that's – I think a few years down the road, that's probably one of the reasons that will kind of keep me coming back because it will be a good way to meet with new people and then – Maybe hopefully in a few years, I'll be a speaker at a travel conference. I mean, obviously, yeah. but I'm ready to go towards that. But I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, definitely a great way to learn. I mean, and you, and you meet so many like-minded people. And I think that's the greatest thing too. And you're like, you're kind of talking to each other. It's like, oh, you do this too. And like, hey, we're, we're all in this together. Or we feel like it's your community. Uh, and it's something different than, I guess, talking about it with like friends and family. You kind of have, you're talking to people that kind of understand you a little bit more and they're like, that, that are definitely more, maybe a bit more uh, supportive and understanding of like, Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. You're moving to Mexico for a few months instead of like right. uh, talking to friends and they're like joking about like how you might be working for the cartels or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, I think it definitely, it's a definitely a great way to like, like I said before, a great way to meet other people. And then it's a great way to like explore a new region. Cause I guess that's, why they host travel conferences in certain places as well. Because before I went to Traverse uh, Rotterdam in May, I didn't really know a lot about Rotterdam. I knew it was like, it was pretty well known for their architecture. And I learned, it kind of learned a bit more about that and how it came to be. And then there are, there are lots of these, all these other like quirky little places like around Rotterdam that make it like such a, I guess, a unique place. And uh, it's, it's, I guess it's not quite the hustle and bustle of uh, Amsterdam to say the least, but I mean, a lot of people that do visit the Netherlands uh, do just visit Amsterdam. But after going to Rotterdam, it's like, oh, it's a cool place. I, I wouldn't mind going back there and uh, uh, at some point in the future. 
for sure. And then, of course, in a place like Ostrava in the Czech Republic, I mean, it used to be like a mining, coal mining town. And then once that industry kind of collapsed, the, the town, uh, the, the population kind of dropped a little bit. And then it, it's still obviously recovering from like the, the Soviet times and that time, the, that area. And it's really interesting to see what they've done with like certain parts of the city. And, uh, and it's, I guess that, that travel conference is a good way to bring a, a lot of attention to that area, the Czech Republic. Cause I mean, most people that visit the Czech Republic, they'll just go to Prague and then they'll maybe just move on to Budapest or Vienna. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I kind of realized that there's a lot more obviously to the Czech Republic than Prague. And I think visit Czech Republic in that case, they really did a good job of showcasing that, I think. And I guess, I guess in, in, in that case, it was a kind of a big success for kind of everyone here. Mm-hmm. So the place where they, uh, hosted the travel conference actually used to be like a massive like industrial area where like they where coal was produced and flames used to like roar and stuff now it's it's a place where they it's a very popular music festival like colors was hosted whole area that the travel conference was uh, hosted in and uh, i don't know it kind of makes you really step back and i don't know it's it's fun to explore areas that you probably wouldn't have ever thought to explore on your own and yeah there are lots of uh nice little hikes to do in the Czech Republic as well, I think. So I was uh, mm-hmm. de- definitely glad I went to that travel conference for sure. Yeah, I saw your photos from there. And I think that was a good point you made about hosting travel conferences, which can bring in money to these smaller towns that it would be a great boost in their you know economy for that you know part of the year. So that's a good point to make. And, you know, it brings places you otherwise wouldn't have explored. And something that I totally agree with you about going to a travel conference is that it's a completely different experience to talk to your friends and family about SEO, like search engine optimization than it is to talk to people that have done it before. (laughs) And so it's not like you're getting a glazed over expression from your friends and family and you actually have somebody to talk to that you can bounce ideas off of and have, you know, been doing SEO for a while. And so it's just nice to have that sense of community and other people that, you know, understand what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and people understand all the struggles you're going through and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just like someone you can talk to you to just like other YouTube stuff about. And yeah, it's 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 definitely a good place, and it's a good good way to meet a variety of people. And yeah, it's I don't know. You, you, so I guess you can make make some uh, really good friends out of that. And now it's kind of like, oh, let me know if you're over here, or let me know if you come through here, that sort of thing. Or, I don't know. It's a uh, a lot of potential for a lot of long-lasting friendships, I guess you could say. Yeah, and then you've got friends all over the world you can stay with too. That's always a benefit. <laughs> oh, definitely. So, yeah. So you mentioned that you traveled for eighteen months. Um, I know some people that are traveling full time that are just you know nomadic, and they plan out every step of the way. And then there's other people that just basically check flight prices or certain events. Like you mentioned, you wanted to go to the world cup and then, you know, plan their trip around that event. So which one are you, are you a super planner or do you just kind of go with the, go with whatever happens? <laughs> well, it depends <laughs> on the situation. Cause I knew with this, I, cause I knew with the two travel conferences in the world cup, I knew like long-term I, okay, I got to book my, flights in and out of Europe pretty frequently or, mm-hmm. or, or pretty well in advance. Cause that's usually when they have the low prices. Cause I'm, mean, because I flew in and out through Norwegian, which is a I, airline. I highly recommend. I've flown with them a few times now. I mean, no complaints, the seven and they use the seven eighty sevens, which are really nice. So 
not yeah. not sponsored, but I mean Norwegian music that I own, and they do and they do have some relatively affordable rates. That kind of okay, that kind of pushed me over the edge. Like, oh, I can go from Miami to Paris or Fort Lauderdale to Paris. Sorry for like one forty nine. I mean, it, right. it made things it made things a lot easier, sir. Yeah, and then it, and then my flight from Paris to Denver uh, was two oh five. But I mean, those with those you kind of have to book pretty far in advance or i mean but even if you even if you look at the flights now there's maybe like a 30 40 dollar difference so i mean it's still relatively affordable if you do want to do that spontaneous trip but uh it's i guess the most important thing is just kind of to look out for sales and like keep an eye on like some of like the budget airlines and like when they're having sales and that sort of thing because that's kind of leads to a bit more spontaneity because when i was in the czech republic finishing up the travel conference there I was kind of debating, okay, should I go to the Baltics? I'm only going to have like 12 days. So I know I might be rushing things a little bit in terms of, I don't know, rushing things and I don't know, hiking I'm going to do. And then I ended up finding these like cheap flights to Italy from Ryanair. From So so I ended up deciding to go go to Italy for a couple weeks instead. So I, I found a cheap flight from Prague to Bologna. So I did Florence, uh, Sanke Terra. And then I spent a week up at the Dolomites and did a lot of hiking there, which is a lot of the photos you see on Instagram now. I still have a lot of stuff to post from there, and I'm obviously I'm still way behind on blogging and stuff. But that was kind of the spon- spon- uh spontaneity. Yes. Yeah. I think that's how was, I would uh, do it too. I would just check flight prices and just go wherever the wind blows me if I was doing 18 months. Yeah, so you do have certain situations like that, and I mean, especially when you when you're able to um, when you have like cheap like ten, twenty, thirty dollar flights that you can do pretty much on a whim. I mean, if you're willing to make the sacrifice, I mean, obviously there's some bloggers. I mean, they've had really bad experiences and they won't do Ryanair again. So, but <laughs> I guess I haven't had I haven't had any bad experiences so far. Though we did have a really rough landing in in Italy once, and you kind of knew it was coming. You're like, okay, got to brace a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. But, Pilot and training. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, possibly, but yeah, it's uh, it was uh, those those time in Italy was a really great, and I'm glad glad I did it. And I really checked a lot of things on the off the bucket list, like hiking wise, I guess you could say. Yeah, I would love to do the Dolomites. They look great, and I don't think I mean at least it's not one of the super super you know popular destinations in Italy. I don't feel. I think uh, one, just you know, don't go there in August because oh, that's yeah. <laughs> when every Italian takes their vacation and it's really crowded. I mean, it's still relatively crowded, I guess you could say. I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's their version of Bamford Jasper or, or, or mm-hmm. Bamford Jasper or Yellowstone. So, I mean, when you go and those, because I kind of knew that in advance because I kind of knew in advance. Okay. I know some of the trails are going to be crowded. So I just kind of grinned and bared it. And yeah, I still, I still managed to have a good time because I mean, Usually most parts, I mean, if you, uh, if you walk like 10, 15, 20 minutes, like in a, a, a away from the refugio or like the main trail or whatever, it usually doesn't get to that. But yeah, it, Italy in August. Yeah. It's, it's going to be crowded. So, I mean, if I did it again, I would go in like June, July or September or something. So just mm-hmm. cause I know it would be way, way less crowded that time, but I, I still had a good time. I mean, jo- uh, another thing, place I went to is the Tatras in Slovakia. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could say that's like the Dolomites on a budget. I mean, it's it's still pretty crowded, but it was a lot easier to like 
it was still just as easy to get around. And then I see this excellent hostel there. I mean, it's a great, it, it's, I guess it's pretty well known in Slovakia. It's called the Ginger Monkey Hostel. It's a great base, I guess, for hiking. So, I mean, you, you stayed there, then you took the bus to the trailhead, did your hike, took the bus back. I mean, and there, there's some really great trails. I, I need to post some pictures of that too, but I guess you could say out of yeah. all my, I'm sure you were going to ask this at some point, but out of all my travels in the last 18 months, I would say my favorite uh, place to go is Georgia and everything about there. I, I think we talked about it in the, a little bit in the lead up to this, but George is just like an amazing country. The, the landscape is amazing. I mean, and even if you don't like hiking, I mean, there's plenty of other great stuff to do. They have a really great wine region there. They have a great food scene and every it's, it's the cost of living is really low there. So I know a few expats that are living there. And I mean, I wasn't already planning to go to Mexico and I uh, live there. Maybe I'd end up in Georgia. So it's, yeah. it's a really great country and people there are really hospitable, really friendly. And yeah. Can't, yeah, can't be the hiking. So obviously you do a lot of hiking, you know, we'll get into your experience in Georgia um, a little bit later in this episode. Um, but as far as hiking, you know, I enjoy hiking. I don't love it. Um, I'll go for a hike, but usually it's just because it's, you know, scenery that you can't get to otherwise. And so, you know, I'll walk my way up there. But I do like the, the unique experience of going for a hike and going to see the places that you can't just drive up to, um, you know, that every single tourist does. So I know some people that would probably go hiking, but are kind of beginners and wouldn't really know, you know, where to start or do some exploring. So do you have any recommendations for people who are beginners and want to do uh, some more hiking? I know short of going on a hiking tour with you, which would be perfect. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yeah, that, That's definitely an option. Uh, my recommendation would just be to find like local groups. So there are a lot of uh, great groups available online, whether it's on Facebook groups or just groups like meetup.com where you could where you could find people or groups of people that are go- going together on a hike and it's a great way to kind of I guess I guess dip your toes in or dip, dip your feet in and kind of get yourselves comfortable uh, being just being out in nature and uh, just kind of enjoying stuff as well um, there are lots of great groups out there like uh, for I guess young single females or people that are looking to get in like w- women who hike uh, native women's wilderness like uh, Latinas out there there's a bunch of there's a bunch of different stuff out there I, I followed quite a few groups on uh, like just through Instagram and Facebook or people that organize different things encouraging I guess women to get outside and uh, yeah, explore nature and I think there's it's good to see that there's been a rise of it uh, I think and I think that's kind of the best way to kind of get your feet wet and you kind of get exploring and then there's some people there you, you might take them hiking for the first time and then they just completely fall in love and you're like, Oh, when's the next time? So it's always exciting to uh, do stuff like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great solution because I think that's what holds up a lot of people. If you don't, if you don't do much hiking, like people worry about getting lost, they don't have, you know, the right equipment and it just helps so much if you have at least one person to go with that's been before. So there are usually, you know, meetup groups in every city. I'm even from a smaller town and there's tons of meetups in this area. So it's just seeking those things out. I think that um, if you've been wanting to do it, you just got to do it eventually. And a group is a great way to go. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely something I recommend. It's a good way to, I guess, meet other like-minded people in your area, much like a travel conference would, I guess. 
And yeah. uh, one other thing uh, that came up a lot, I used to read different like hiking forms a lot. And then you just see all these stories that like people were going through a rough time or maybe their best friend just died or they went through a rough divorce or so something really bad happened. And then they just started started just going outside on their own more, going hiking a little bit more, and that and that was kind of their like therapy therapy for them, I guess, because it was it was a way for them to kind of relax a little bit, uh, kind of enjoy life and enjoy nature. And I think that by these people doing that and reading these stories, I think that de- definitely helped them a lot. So I guess just being out in nature, whether you're with a group or by yourself, I mean, it's I think it's great therapy as well. I agree with that. Even if it's just a day hike or if I just go out on um, just one of the or trails. walk around the lake. Hometown. Yeah. yeah, just for like an hour. It totally helps and you don't have anything to worry about. You can't, you know, be on your phone while you're out there. And it's just a nice way, way to break and get away from everything. And I know that you've been making an effort to make more travel videos. So, you know, I've been checking them out on YouTube. And I think it's a good way to give people a taste of what a place is like because I think – you know, you can read so much about it and you can look at pictures, but it's really nice to actually, you know, see it via video. And I think you do a good job with these. So uh, tell me about the hiking videos you're making and, you know, why you've made this effort. I know how much of a pain it is to edit videos and do all that. And just kind of what your goal is with making hiking videos. Well, I I know some people prefer to read blogs and some people prefer to watch videos. So I kind of give them a taste of both. And uh, I guess going to journalism school and kind of being familiar with the basics of Final Cut Pro and Adobe Premiere coming out of it definitely helped a little bit. So when I got in, I was I was already kind of similar. Of course, like between when I started and now, I've kind of learned a lot and obviously talked to other different YouTubers on kind of what they do and how they structure my videos. Because I mean, not, not a lot of, I mean, there are some hiking bloggers out there, but it's more like most of their videos are, I would say, are like 30 minutes, which is fine. But I, I'm, I, the way I want to form it is just kind of do a video of uh, the hikes I do. Maybe not all the I, I use at the start. I kind of filmed every hike I did, but now I kind of scale it back a little bit. Like if it's just like an hour hike, uh, I don't. I tend not to film those as much anymore. Kind I want to put more effort into like kind of the longer hikes and the videos I do. But I think just think it's a good way to kind of give people a taste of like what what the area is like and. And I guess the main goal of my blog is to try and be informative as well. And I try and express that in my videos and my blog. So when people go there, it's like, okay, it's kind of like a one-stop shop. Okay. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I want to do, or here's a few good hikes in the area. And I get, kind of give people an idea of what to expect. And yeah, sometimes a thousand words, the pictures might be worth a thousand words, but sometimes just seeing uh, the video clips of it just kind of, kind of puts I guess puts them over the edge or sometimes it's a good way to interact with people in, in that country whether it's like maybe Italy or Guatemala and maybe they're watching the videos too and it kind of gives them a little bit a sense of pride that other people are coming to explore their region and I guess showcase their beauty so I guess that's what I I guess it definitely helped that I was kind of familiar with it because I've talked to a couple other bloggers that are just starting to figure out Premiere and yeah it is kind of it is kind of a pain in the butt uh, to figure out but at the same time I do try and keep my edits pretty simple. I don't do anything too flashy. Like, I mean, there, there are a lot of good vlogs out there that are like that. They, where they hire editors and they, they, it's, it's really on point. But I think for me, I think the important thing for me is like, it's a hiking video, try and keep it simple. And I think the important thing is to pair up the right music with uh, where you're going. I think that makes a big difference because I know my editing isn't the greatest, but just having the right music and 
uh, going along with the hike, I think really puts it over the top and I guess makes it that much more enjoyable. You're not just sticking like the same song that every YouTuber like puts in their videos and stuff like that. There are a few yeah. of those and you're like, okay, this song again. But right. I've heard this song. <laughs> yeah. I think you're doing a good job with those. And then, um, I know, you know, we stay in hostels or we stay in Airbnbs and occasionally we'll stay in a hotel if it's like something we're going to splurge on, but you also seem to stay in local accommodations or hostels. Um, do you feel like this gives you more of, you know, a cultural engagement trip rather than, you know, you're just a visitor or are you doing it mainly for budgeting reasons and just to save money because you're traveling for such a long time? Well, yeah, yeah. It depends on the situation. Yeah, for the most part, it is like budget regions, but at the same time, in most cases, you are supporting the local community or people who are trying to support the local community, I guess. There there are certain situations where they're like refugios or or, uh, lodges or huts that are out in the middle of nowhere that are that in really small towns that are there to like support the hikers. And I think uh, that's a great way. That's that's one of the great parts of hiking. Some, Some of the best hostels I've stayed in are probably very hiker friendly or I guess a great base for me to explore hiking. So it's a, it is a great way to, for, for a budget, but sometimes it's, it's okay to splurge a little bit, I guess on the better hostels to support the locals or if there's like a better base to go to, like, like I said before, the ginger monkey hostel is like a great, great place to stay that I did it before. Uh, there's also lost in lost and found hostel in Panama is a great, uh, one as well. They pretty pretty much drop you off on the side of the road, and you have to hike twenty minutes uh, to get uh, uphill to get to this hostel. So, and that's that's a really fun hostel to go to if you're in Panama. There's also this one in Costa Rica that's you're, you're pretty much in the middle of the jungle, and you have to there you have to do like a couple of river crossings to get there. So, I mean, there are there are ho- there are hostels out there for pretty much everyone. And yeah, I do tend to go go out of the way to kind of explore these places, not only because they're a great place for hiking, but it's a good way to support the locals. Then of course there are also these other lodges that you kind of read about, like that are pretty much run by locals in these in these really small towns that that host hikers. I mean, in places like Georgia or Guatemala, and, th- and those are great places to stay as well because then you pretty much have like full immersion with the locals. You're getting cooked meals by the locals and, and that sort of thing. It's, it feels like it almost feels kind of like a homestay, I guess, because mm-hmm. because you have all, all the meals provided and stuff like that. And th- those are great experiences as well because I mean. They're, they're usually in a be- beautiful area and you, and you usually have like similar interests and it's a great way to I guess, uh, share things that way. So it, it kind of all depends. I usually tend to go for the budget, but I mean, sometimes it's okay to spend, uh, I guess, a, f- a few extra bucks to uh, sp- stay at some really great hostels. And there, there are some really great hostels out there. Um, I, I found the percentage, like the, qu- the quality of hostels, I think, is a bit higher of a percentage in uh, Mexico and Central America that you might find in your typical cities in Europe. Just because, like, it seems like in Europe, there are, like, so many, like, cities, so many hostels. So, I mean, sometimes you get some really good ones. Sometimes, obviously, you get you get ones in Paris that are, like, really dumpy, but it's the cheapest option, so you don't really have a choice. But, but that, I, then you get some places that are abroad that are either run by locals or maybe run by expats, that, but, but they hire locals, and they, they tend to do a really good job, and those, those are kind of the ones that I come my most memorable experiences from there, just like stay, staying at those hostels or just being at the hostel in the middle of the jungle or, or maybe you hop on a bus and then you're at a beautiful hiking trail. So, I mean, it's, I guess you could say it's a mix, but I, I guess it all depends on your lo- location as well. So it's, it's 
some in some locations it's kind of easier to find those homestays or hostels where it's easier to support the locals but i guess in other locations i mean i guess you try and do the best you can yeah and i i would like to do more of the homestay we've done that several times but like you said i think it really adds to i mean you get to talk to people that are from there and you feel more like you're actually visiting the place and the culture and the city rather than just being a guest somewhere and checking in and checking out of a hotel where it's like you get to talk to people about their daily lives and you get to eat their food cooked by them. And it's just, it's such a different experience than a hotel where it's like, Oh, it's a Michelin star hotel. And you know, you have a famous chef and it just, uh, it's just a much different experience because most of the people in that country are not living like that. And so it's nice to live how the people live where you're actually visiting. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said before, it's also a great way to meet like-minded people because usually a lot of people, you meet a lot of other interesting hikers or outdoors people are doing the same things. And it's always, it's a lot more fun to, I guess, swap stories about the day in terms of hiking compared to, I don't know, what you might hear in your typical hotel lobby, I guess. Right. But Who knows? I guess that's <laughs> but, uh, one way of thinking about it as well. <laughs> so let's talk about Georgia. I'm really excited to talk to you about it. I've done, been doing some research. Your photos from there looked insane. And, you know, just from being on social media, as often as I am, I feel like it's becoming kind of more of a trendier destination lately. Uh, Obviously not super popular yet. Like it's not a Dubrovnik. um, And it's not, you know, something like that just yet. So tell me all about Georgia. You talked about how the people were super hospitable. The food was good. Um, So just, you know, tell me a little bit more about it and what you would recommend. Well, it's a, it's a really beautiful country. And I think, like I said, for, as a hiker for myself, it's a great base for there because there's, there's a lot of, it, they, you have a multitude of options. There's lots of different day hikes you could do. There's lots, if you want to do overnight hikes, you can, you can do that. And then there's, if you want to go to the beach, there's that. If you just want to have, if you want to relax by the lake for the weekend, then there's that. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of variety of different options. And then it, it, it definitely helps at the cost of it's, I think that's the cheapest area where I ever paid for hostels. I mean, keep in mind, obviously, the minimum wage there and the cost of living there is also lower. But uh, I think the Georgia Georgia citizens are they recently got accepted to like freely travel in the EU. Mm-hmm. So, but it'd be interesting to see if uh, Georgia ends up adopting the euro because obviously that might change things a bit in terms of that. But it's just like a really beautiful country and like. The, what I did notice there is like, I guess, I guess in Italy, you tend to see, I guess, really, I guess in Georgia, you see people from all over too, but I tend to see, see people more from, I guess, the Eastern Europe, like the Czech Republics, the Slovakias, the Russias, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of area. You didn't see as many Western Europeans or I guess, or I guess Americans or Canadians as you would see in places like the Dolomites in Italy. And I think that's what I guess still makes it somewhat of a hidden gem, obviously, people are starting to notice it a little more now, but I guess you do, it does feel like a little bit, a little bit more authentic. And I don't know, there aren't, there aren't a lot of places there Mm -hmm. that are like really crowded, I would say, or, I mean, maybe, maybe some parts that I didn't go to, but I mean, it's, it it is a great capital city. Mm -hmm. Uh, It did get really hot there though. When I was in summer, I think it was like, I think when I was, well, I think the whole summer in Europe was like pretty hot, but I mean, in Russia and Georgia, the temp, well, Georgia, when I was in Tbilisi, it was like 40, 41 Celsius, which is like, I think it was like the hottest temperature ever in Tbilisi. 
So, which is like really hot, like over a hundred or something. But, and then I'm like, okay, it's way too hot here. So I'm going to go to another part of the country and then uh, chill, chill there instead. But I mean, I don't know. It's just the hospitable people really helped. I mean, sometimes I'd just be walking along the side of the road, just go uh, just to the trailhead of this next waterfall. And then people would stop and just uh, ask you, ask you if you need a ride. And that was without me even having to stick up my thumb or anything. Yeah. But I mean, I've had hitchhiked a couple times, but Georgia was like the only place where that I was at where people would stop and just ask for a ride and uh, ask for nothing in return or anything like that. I, I just, I just felt really welcomed uh, by all the people there. And I met lots of uh, really friendly uh, people like there of all ages. And yeah, it's, I just feel like it's really great place to be a place I belong. I mean, and like I said, you don't have, you don't have to be a hiker to go there. I mean, it's a great foodie destination as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, obviously carb heavy. I mean, great hiking food, uh, <laughs> options there for, as well. And yeah. And I think it's harvest season right now in Georgia for wine. So, or it was last week. I mean, maybe it's changed uh, now, but it's definitely a great place to go for wine as well. And I think it was one of the first places in the world where they actually started like growing wine. Oh, really? So, I mean, it, it, and I and I think it's uh, I think Georgian wine actually stacks up pretty well to I guess your typical French or Italian wines. It's a good option as well, and obviously you can probably you probably get it for a pretty decent price. It just it just had that sort of charm to it, and it's just it's just a great place, a, a great location. Um, can't really say any bad things about it, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a definitive line like uh, of somewhere around you know, Slovenia and, you know, obviously more people are going to Croatia and Hungary, but it's like, there's a line where Westerners, you know, Canadians and Americans kind of are scarce. And so I think that's interesting. And I I definitely want to do some more exploring of places like Georgia and Kazakhstan and, you know, all those places because they look amazing. And it's just, I'm sure people in that region know all about the hot vacation places there. But as far as Americans going there and Canadians going there, it definitely seems like it's more sparse for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, and Central Asia is, I guess, another place at the top of my bucket list. Like, they're going to Kazakhstan, uh, Kazakhstan, and Tajikistan. I mean, the hiking there is just unbelievable. I've seen so many pictures of it, and I don't know. I'd hopefully like to do there, go there at some point. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm in Mexico for now, so. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's it's definitely something that's been on, my, I, on the list for a while. I think the top three places I wanted to go to were for hiking were Georgia, uh, Kyrgyzstan, and Faroe Islands. So I checked off one of them. So now we know oh wait, wait to go to the other two. And I still have to go to South America. I know that's a great spot for hiking as well. So, but uh, yeah, Faroe Islands have been to, a lot of places to go. So I talked about a little bit about you know like Americans not quite making it that far over you know, um, and maybe it's because of the approximate approximation to the Middle East. And it kind of has that unknown factor to people where it's like, I haven't seen Georgia all over Instagram, or I haven't seen Kazakhstan all over Instagram. I don't know if people are deterred by its location or just that they don't know about it. Um, but I can imagine if I, you know, told my mother, I'm going to Georgia, I'm going to Kazakhstan, or I'm going to somewhere over there, you know, her reaction would be a lot different than if I said, Oh, I'm going to Ireland. Um, and I know it's it's really hard or it's impossible to kind of, kind of talk someone into thinking of a place differently than they have it in their mind already. So what are your thoughts about this? And do you try to encourage people to explore this part of the world? 
or to learn about different areas that, you know, maybe don't have a, a, the European factor of seeming, you know, clean and, and friendly and safe and all that. Well, I think the, one of the main things when it comes to travel, like no matter where you travel, whether you're in like El Salvador or Ireland, like you said, like, or Italy, I mean, I think the general thing is as long as you have common sense, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to stay out of trouble pretty much anywhere you go. I mean, when I was in El Salvador for a few weeks uh, earlier this year, I didn't have any issues there whatsoever. No people trying to scam me or like, or like try and like mess me over, like maybe some other Central American countries, but it's just like more just, of course you see stuff in the paper, like bad things happening in the papers, like about people getting killed and stuff like that. But I mean, in most cases, I mean, they're happening in areas where nobody is ever going to be or no tourist is ever going to be. So, I mean, it's just, as long as you show like general common sense, like you're, you're going to be all right in most places. I mean, the worst, I mean, I've been traveling for a year and a half. Uh, the worst thing that happened to me was getting bit by a dog in Mexico city. So <laughs> it wasn't even human related. It was like animal related, but I think the most important thing, like no matter where you travel, I mean, you know, you always kind of keep, got to keep your guard up a little bit and probably more so if you're female, but I mean, what, what surprised me a lot as well is there were a lot more, uh, solo female travelers in Central America than I, than I expected. Okay. And that, probably, probably more than solo male, maybe more than solo male travelers. Really? Don't quote me on that, but uh, <laughs> there was at least more solo female travelers in that part of the world than, than I expected. And then, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty, pretty inspiring. It's good to see that. I mean, people are willing to uh, go and do that, but I mean, in, 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 for the most part, I mean, it's just showing, showing like common sense. Right. I mean, don't go looking for drugs or, or maybe, I mean, it's okay to have a couple of drinks, but I mean, if you're going to get blackout drunk, I mean, your chances of getting in trouble are going to be a lot higher than it would be if you maybe, or just, just had a couple of drinks or maybe went back with the group. I mean, yeah, it's, right. it's just, as long as you're, I mean, and that kind of the same thing goes for every country. I mean, they're probably dangerous parts of the, the dangerous parts of California or LA or, mm-hmm. or Chicago, or uh, of course they're dangerous parts of El Salvador as well. I mean, you just kind of do your research, uh, know, know to avoid these areas or, or if you're going to, uh, I mean, in most places it's going to be safe to travel during the, the daytime anyways. I mean, in most cases, I mean, from when I traveled, I mean, I didn't travel at night at all. I mean, there was the occasional uh, night bus, mm-hmm. but I mean, th- that, that was about it. I mean, but I mean, as long as you travel in the daytime, like know where you're going, have like, have like the GPS in your phone, know where to check in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it should just show common sense. I mean, I mean, you should, for the most part, I guess you should stay out of trouble. <laughs> right. I mean, of course there are always all those freak cases, but I mean, yeah, I guess the big thing is just showing common sense. Definitely. Yeah. And that's like you said, that's something that we do at home too. I mean, if I was going to get blackout drunk, I could have, just the same amount of chance of getting into trouble or, you know, getting lost or who knows what would happen. But um, I think doing your research is really important and finding the places that at the moment are, you know, having some problems or whatever. I mean, I tell people all the time that I live about an hour away from Sacramento and plenty of things happen in Sacramento. You know, it's a huge place that, you know, human sex trafficking is huge there right now. I mean, there's tons of crimes. People get shot there all the time. It's like, do I feel unsafe an hour away from Sacramento? No, I feel, you know, perfectly safe. And I know where those spots are that if I'm going to go there, I just avoid them. So 
I think it's the same if you're visiting any country, just do your research. And like you said, have common sense, have an open mind about things. And, you know, just don't be, you know, an, a dummy wandering around in the streets waiting for something bad to happen. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And I think it's important. I think one important thing to do is always to double check like the state department warnings mm-hmm. uh, for those uh, just to, just to check for like any escalations or, or maybe, maybe there's certain like States in Mexico that might not be as safe as like other States in Mexico where there's stuff like that. Or like, for example, um, like if, like if you read about something that's happening in Honduras, like, or uh, there, there's an election happening in Honduras and stuff starting to brew up a little bit. Then in that case, it might be safer to stay in, in this country for like an extra week or two until it's like stuff boils over. And that's that. And, and of course, there's all this stuff going on in Nicaragua right now, which is unfortunate because that's one of my favorite countries. They're going through a lot of issues right now. And I ended up and because of that, I ended up staying a little bit in El Salvador a little bit longer than I wanted to. And then while I was there, like the day, the night I left, I mean, things were starting to escalate again. Right. Like we're, we're, we're like protests and like smoke bombs going off in the street and lots of yelling and like pretty much the weaker, this was in mid May. So, and then pretty much the week or two after I left, I mean, you couldn't like, it, it wasn't safe to travel through Nicaragua on your own anymore. You pretty much like now you pretty much need to do travel through shuttles and which is re- really unfortunate, but I mean, it's, it's just showing, showing common sense. It, like I said, it goes back to showing common sense of maybe there's something escalating. You hear other travelers saying, Oh, there's stuff going on here. I mean, if you don't have enough time, then unfortunately, yeah, you might have to skip that country. Or maybe if you have more time, just wait it out a couple of weeks. And I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, but it's, yeah, it's just showing common sense, doing your research, and you're going to stay out of trouble. I mean, obviously, every every place has a bad neighborhood. I mean, you just got to kind of be a little bit of, show some awareness. Yeah, just be paying attention a little bit. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so... I know everyone has a bucket list or, you know, things they want to check off. You talked about it a little bit, uh, that Georgia was one of those things that you wanted to do, but do you have like a Holy grail hike that you have to do, but haven't done just yet? I, I guess I could, I could add Nepal to the bucket list as well. It would be nice to do like the Annapurna circuit trek mm-hmm. or Everett base camp trek at some point. I think that I, I don't know when that's going to happen, but so hopefully sometime in the next few years, I, I don't think I'll go too crazy and say, Oh, I want to do the Appalachian trail or right. Pacific crest trail. I think that that might be a little bit too much for me, but uh, I think I definitely the, go, going to Nepal and doing some of the long distance treks there in the Himalayas is definitely, uh, I guess for now would be the top of my list. And then, and then of course, Pat- Patagonia as well. But I think the ultimate bucket list one would be probably like either the Annapurna circuit or Everest base camp trek, like one, one of those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, famous treks in Nepal would be a lot of fun to do. I've seen a lot of other people that have done it and it's, it just looks amazing. And just like, I guess that's one of those like holy grail things, I guess, in, in terms of the bike hiking, like that, like experienced hikers do that. And not, and then I guess amateur hikers do that as well. And it's, it's definitely worth everything. I yeah. Patagonia is for uh, sure. On. Is and hike and the experience. Yeah. Yeah, Patagonia is something we've wanted to do also. I know they have a longer, I think they have a 10-day trek. Um, but yeah, we've wanted to do Patagonia too. Nepal really... Yeah, oh yeah, the, the, the O trek and the W trek. And I was reading recently they're going to, because they're, because they're I think, one of the founders of uh, North Face or Patagonia or one of those clothing companies mm-hmm. bought big chunks of land in Chile and they're planning to turn that all into national parks and they're going to make like a big, like a long trail down there. 
I think that like an Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail length kind of trail down there. That'd be uh, great. To, to go to that area. That'd, that'd be a lot of fun to do. I mean, maybe that'll be my top of my bucket list in a few years. Who yeah. Knows? Who knows what trails are going to come up in the future? You never know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about travel stories. We like to tell a travel story, you know, at the end of all of our episodes. And I like to ask people what their favorite travel story is. So this could be anything like we have a bunch of where things have just gone horribly wrong, or we've gotten lost and we didn't know where we were or a time when, you know, stranger strangers have been so, so nice to us, unbelievably nice, or we had our favorite meal, you know, anything really you can talk about, but you know, just a great travel story you have. Well, yeah, I, I do have quite a few travel stories. I don't know. I'd have to come back on and maybe tell a few more. Yeah. But I, what, not sure. Well, I guess I talked about the Russian one earlier. Uh, that was that was an interesting story because it was my first. It's not hiking related. Maybe I'll try and tell hiking. <laughs> um, but this one was like, okay, it was like first twelve hours in Russia. Just arrived there. I was waiting for like my blah blah car down to. Moscow, which is like, I guess, like the Uber for like long distances, I guess, for long distances. So if, I, if you're if you're a driver and you're going to a certain destination, like, for example, like Sacramento or L.A., you could find you can put down your car like oh, I'm going this distance and leaving at this time. And then people can uh, decide to join join you as passengers. And then they obviously they pay a certain amount. And usually it's enough to like cover gas and stuff like that. But you see that's in Mexico, but it's mostly in Europe that you see that. But yeah, I also saw that in Mexico as well. Anyways, nothing to do with the blah, blah car, but it's definitely something very useful to uh, use uh, once you're in Europe uh, to get around and uh, yeah, a good way to interact with locals. But I went to this, uh, my battery was running low. It was probably going to be another few hours till I got, uh, my ride was going to come. And so I went, so I'm like, okay, well, I'll usually, usually at that point, I usually just try and find a library, find a place to plug in. Get, get that sort of thing. So I go into the National Library of Russia in uh, St. Petersburg. I think it's it's either the largest or second largest, obviously the other big ones in Moscow. So I went in there and I go to the entrance, obviously with all my backpack, with my gear and stuff like that. And then I'm like, oh, I just knew I, that. Obviously they didn't, I don't think they totally understood why I was there, but I was like, okay, I just want a place to sit, plug in. And then they kind of pointed me like to go off to the side into this one room or whatever. So, and then I go in there, I didn't, I go in this area, I didn't see any plugs. I'm like, okay, I'll find another place to go. And then I guess one of the stairs, one of the stairwells was unlocked. So I just went up the stairs and found a place in the library and started plugging my stuff. So, and then like 30 minutes after I sat down, like the, this alarm starts going off like throughout the whole library. So I was like, well, it was one of those like evacuation alarms and, what turned out to be is because it was a few days before the World Cup started, like someone phoned in the threat. So they evacuated the building. Mm-hmm. Obviously nothing happened, but they phoned in the threat, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I guess I got to go. So I kind of slowly packed up my stuff. And then I go back to the entrance where I was. And they're like, wait a minute, how'd you get in here? <laughs> but I mean, they were, well, there was like a lot of confusion and stuff about like, and whatever. And then they found someone that knew English and they're like, so how did you get in here? And, and so, and then I ended up, ta- I ended up talking to the police. They checked my passport. I mean, it was, I showed my ticket, like that, that, that's my visa and stuff. And yeah. And I pretty much had to explain to them like how I got into the library. Cause I guess it's supposedly to enter this library. You have to have a library card. You can't just go walk in there 
use the Wi-Fi plug-in or whatever. So I, I didn't right. know that until obviously I was uh, on my way out. So they they were a little bit frazzled <laughs> about uh, how I exposed a security breach right. in uh, one of the largest libraries in uh, Russia. Right. So and then I guess one of the people that uh, the person that ended up helping me out with the uh, translating and stuff. Like she, she was actually really nice. She ended up, like after that got that after that got all settled, I explained to him how I like broke in. I, didn't break <laughs> in, I, expo- I exposed the security breach. Uh, she ended up taking me to a coffee spot and got me coffee and and talked to the uh, blah blah car guy uh, to make sure I met him at the right spot because th- that's the one tricky thing about blah blah car too. Because if you're especially where because i used it a couple times in russia and other parts i mean obviously they don't know any english so you kind of have to like find someone to like to help someone talk to them and stuff like that so that was always a challenge but then sometimes you'd always have like good conversations through uh, google translate as well so that was that was my russian police story i mean it wasn't i got i guess you could say russian police slash library yeah. story um but it's yeah so i uh, hopefully I'm not on some watch yeah, list you're now. Yeah, you're going to get uh, down. I, 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 so the rest of the two weeks in Russia was fine. So no, no issues or uh, startling the locals or uh, police or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a really solid trip. And I guess that was, I, it just kind of hit things on that. In, in most countries, I mean, you're going to find some r- really hospitable people and people that were willing to help you out. And I guess that kind of that stepped up a bit in the World Cup because there's, I mean, just being there for the World Cup. I mean, there's there's so much interest by the locals. They're like take, trying to take pictures of everyone, like filming people doing the chants. And it seemed like everyone was really having a good time. And the police like weren't super overbearing. I mean, they did their job, but I mean, obviously they weren't like. And at least in the parts I were at, they weren't like sitting there beating the crap out of people. I mean, they didn't really need to do that. But yeah. another thing that a little thing that Russia did that I really liked is there are lots of like red tents like set up and not just in Moscow, but like other, in, some of the other cities as well, where it was just like information. And you could pretty much go there, ask them information. And usually there was at least one person there that spoke a little bit of English. Mm-hmm. And they can kind of direct you around like where to go or which way is the stadium. And yeah, I, I think that, I mean, Obviously, there's probably quite a bit of corruption and bribing involved in order for Russia to get that World Cup. But I think uh, they did uh, play very good hosts and a lot of the people that were very hostile. one of those overnight hikes we did and we stayed in like one of like the local lodges in one of the small towns that were actually really nice. So we, we got there, we got settled. I was like, Oh, we, it, because it was Saturday night. So we heard like mariachi music. So I'm like, okay, it's Saturday night. It's going to be a fun night. We're going to go and go dancing or whatever. So we, so we unpacked our stuff, we ate dinner and then uh, we went over to this spot where like the music was playing. So because they're like, Oh, it's Saturday night. Uh, maybe I guess they do that every day, but, and then apparently when we got there, like to this little uh, spot, there was like the mariachi band was like eating dinner or whatever. And then, and then, then I kind of looked around a bit and I was like, Oh, this seems like it's a private event. So, and it turned out it was like, they were celebrating, uh, like one of the locals, like 40th birthdays. So we got the, so as soon as pretty much, as soon as I found that out, like a few seconds later, like I was introduced to the birthday girl. So, and then they're like, Oh, come stay, come join us. That sort of thing. It was like, so I ended up crashing someone's uh, 40th uh, birthday party uh, after a hike one time. So 
the, the and that was kind of when we were with that. That was a, that one one of the few times I've actually hiked with a group. I usually tend to hike solo, but I mean I am open to uh, I can groups for the most part. But yeah, that was that was a nice nice little fun memory. Yeah, that's so fun. And yeah, it was they were, they were so welcoming and they made sure we were well right. fed. And they were just like, come on over and have some fun with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was yeah there was like five of us and then like thirty of them and like the whole family <laughs> was there and yeah, it was a. That's not, and then they and then they were like playing mariachi for us. It was a it was a quite entertaining. Yeah, so. that's fun. Just stumbling upon things and then people, yeah, we've done that before too. And people are just so nice and they just welcome us over. Like, are you sure this is your birthday? Are you sure you want me to come over here? You don't know me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, the the, the cultures the culture is different. I mean, in in certain countries, yeah, I guess compared to the U.S. or other parts. I mean, I'm maybe I'm sure in some parts of the U.S. I mean that might happen as well. But I mean, it's just like something you're not used to like coming from, I guess, U S or Canada and coming here. It's like, Oh, okay. Oh, I, I didn't yeah. mean to. It's like, Oh, you want me to join? Right. So, okay. Sure. <laughs> Don't mean to intrude, but yeah. How fun. That's a great one. Well, I think I asked you all the things yeah. I wanted to ask you. We talked about Georgia, your hiking videos and um, got some good tips about, you know, starting out hiking. So I just wanted to thank you for coming on today. And it, it's always great to talk to people who, you know, explore the world in a different way, you know, a different way than we do in a different way than, you know, other people that we follow or, you know, see on social media do. And um, so, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. You can let people know where they can find you online. Um, so yeah, go ahead and let them know where they can find you. You can find me at uh, natemeetsworld.com. I'm probably most active on uh, Instagram right now. I do have Facebook and Twitter, but I think Instagram is probably the, if you want to say the most updated, I mean, I'd, I'd probably go there. I mean, I, I'm going to, it's been a while. Obviously it's been a while since I posted on my blog. Unfortunately, I mean, my parents are starting to wonder how come you haven't posted, but now that I'm back and settled, I'm like, okay, got to settle down, post everything about Europe. Cause I mean, I went to a lot of places in Europe, got to start writing about it. And then, uh, but yeah, it's, and of course, uploading the videos as well. So it's a little bit of double duty, but it's always fun to kind of watch, watch, watch some of the videos I'm editing again and kind of reliving through all that. And yeah, if you search Nate Meets World on YouTube, I almost forgot that. If you search Nate Meets World on YouTube, you can find a lot of my hiking videos. I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm probably just going to start binge posting everything uh, over the next few months, the stuff that happened a few months ago or a while yeah. ago and stuff like that. You got to get but, I'll try and try make it enjoyable for everyone. And yeah, it's, it's, I guess you could say it's uh, watching my videos. Maybe it's good therapy for some people, or maybe it's a good way to relive like a hike you did, or maybe a hike you're thinking about doing and stuff definitely. like that. So yeah, definitely check me out. Nate meets world. I mean, if you just do a general search, you should Great. be able to find. And then um, for all you listeners, you can find more from this episode with Nate from Nate meets world on our website. So if you just go to the rambling slash podcast you'll find nate's episode and then all those links to his social media will be there as well and um speaking of instagram we're doing something new on our instagram if you have specific travel questions like you know what should i pack for ireland what trail should i do to machu picchu you know anything related to that um you can send us your questions and we're going to answer do like a travel question answer every wednesday so um yeah we're going to try that and uh, we'll answer anything and everything. So if you send us uh, a DM, I answer every DM or every comment and, um, you know, we'll get you the answer, whatever it is. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode and we'll see you on the next one. 
Thanks for listening to the Rambling Gals podcast. You can always head to our website, theramblinggals.com, for more travel resources and our archive of podcast episodes. If this podcast was right up your alley, we would love to receive a review from you. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode from us. See you on the next one.